Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. You know, I think whenever there's something that's going on and, and things aren't going well and, um, you know, you, you've got your heart rate racing and you're, you're, you're you know, um, you're sweating and, and, and the whole deal, it's it's stopping that and reminding your athletes or reminding yourself that, you know, you're going to come out stronger on the other side of this uh, by having gone through this little bit of fire. This podcast, 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate. It's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip. It's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance. So for all your hydration needs, our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code mental toughness at I need SOS Com. This episode is brought to you by Some Sleep. Go to getsome.com. That's G E T S O M.com. We all deserve a better night's sleep. You drink one can 30 minutes before bed, and it's that simple. This awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast, but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product. And in fact, if you go to getsome.com and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, you get 10% off. Guarantee you're going to love this product. Go there right away. This, uh, our guest is uh, VP of uh, Play, Performance, uh, and Education. He uh he was twice named Collegiate Strength Coach of the Year. He's worked with numerous collegiate teams, also University of Tennessee, which is, uh, which is obviously one of my favorites. He's worked with 80 players that has gone on to the NFL. He's worked with pro teams, the Bengals, the Royals, the Buccaneers, worked with Team USA. Uh, he has a killer podcast called Chalk Talk. That link will be in the bio here for everybody to check out. And also has a book, number one rated bestseller there on Amazon. That was CEO Strength Coach. Excited about this interview today. Uh, our guest today is Ron Keefrey. Coach, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, hey, man, you're awesome. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on the show. Coach, what is what is mental toughness to you? Yeah, it's such a it's such a, a polarizing definition for some people, I think. But for me, it's just the ability to continue to perform at a, a high level uh, given any set of circumstances. You know, when people talk about that, so they talk about those circumstances, what is it that you've seen in all the athletes that you've trained? How, how, do, how do you, as a coach, you know, kind of build that, that muscle? Yeah, to me, it's, it's managing stress, you know, and I think there's everything is stress on the body. It's, it's a human organism. It, it, it adapts and responds in different ways. And, you know, be it... Um, you know, you're just a normal person and you're having to deal with family issues and 
um, societal issues and politics and, and all those types of things. That's all, you know, it's all stress coming into the body and how you manage that. Uh, in my environment, working with elite athletes, you're dealing with all of that, but then you're adding to that um, academics, you're adding um, injuries, you're adding, you know, walking into a stadium of 110,000 people, you're, 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 you're talking, you're talking about social media and, you know, people pulling at you and, and media in general pulling at you. And so um, that's all, uh, you know, it's stress in some capacity. And a lot of times that presents itself as adversity that you have to overcome and, and all doing that while you're having to maintain a, a level of performance to keep your position, keep your job, keep your, um, you know, uh, uh, rally around your teammates, all those types of things. And so uh, that's what I think separates athletes from most uh, everybody else is that you have to continue to perform despite when you walk across that sideline, when you walk onto the court, uh, walk onto that golf course or whatever it may be, you have to check all that stuff at the door and still be able to go out there and, uh, you know, either perform individually in those individual sports, which sometimes is even tougher, mm -hmm. or, you know, be there at a high level so that you don't let your teammates down, which presents its own level amount of stress and adversity as well so um i think that's why i've got into athletics that's why i feel like um as an individual i've been able to have any kind of success is because i was able to learn how to deal with that stuff uh, um, in various ways growing up as an athlete um and then turn around and translating that into coaching and helping others and deal with that um it's one of the best jobs in the world and and then you get to turn around and you get to see people go off and do some phenomenal things because they can handle that yeah so if you don't mind me delving just a little bit deeper what's one way that you would help somebody navigate you know that that new level that they reach because like i kind of always say like once people reach a new <laughs> level there seems to be a new devil to it yeah you know i love actionable uh you know uh, ways uh takeaways you know actionable intel and and um i think a lot of times it, you know is is stopping in the moment when you're dealing with things and presenting the opportunity for growth you know i think whenever there's something that's going on and, and things aren't going well and um you know you, you've got your heart rate racing and you're you're, you're you know um you're sweating and, and, and the whole deal. It's it's stopping that and reminding your athletes or reminding yourself that, you know, you're going to come out stronger on the other side of this uh, by having gone through this little bit of fire. And uh, to me, um, that's what it's all about. I mean, this is, you know, this, this journey that we're on, this life that we're, this life journey that we're on is all about, it's not, you know, it's the old adage, it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get up, right? It's it's dealing with those things, coming out stronger on the other end, and then turn around and helping people uh, handle similar situations because you've been through it. And and I think that's I think that's why we're here. Yeah, no one gets there alone, sort of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I got to throw that in there, Coach. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Um, what what have you seen? Are is this a, is this a skill that you think can be, you know, taught? Or is it more caught? Do we have to go through those experiences and experience those, you know, at some point later on? I mean, we always see those athletes that early on in life, they just had a whole bunch of adversity and they overcame it. And then that propelled them forward in life. But is this something that, that we can teach? Is this a muscle that we can help grow? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I'm actually reading a book that's called Peak right now. It's all about deliberate practice and, and really, you know, dialing in on the, the thing, the areas of improvement that you need to focus on. And, and that's that's where real true expertise and and genius kind of comes from is this 10,000 hours of this, you know, a lot of time invested. Um, my, you know, to answer that question, I would say, look at the opposite, you know, look at the people that don't get out of the house that don't have you know that are coddled by their parents that are given a trophy for every you know every every sport that they ever play and things like that and then when they do deal with adversity they melt you know and uh, when I first met my my wife you know she was very much in that kind of mindset you know kind of had always been kind of you know I mean she dealt with a ton of adversity but because of that her confidence wasn't very high and so anytime she she would get to a wall um, you know, you know, we didn't have enough money or, you know, something was not good going on in the family or whatever. She'd hit that wall and it was like, you know, ah, I mean, throw your hands up and it's over and it's the end of the world and the whole deal. Whereas, you know, somebody like myself, I'd look at the wall and I'd be like, okay, let's see here. I can go, maybe I can go to the right. Maybe I can go to the left. Maybe I can go over that thing. And you know what, if it really comes down to it, I'm going to back up. I'm going to run through the damn thing. You know, and that was just always my mindset. It was, there was no not getting over the wall. It was just, how do I do it? You know, and um, I think too many times as parents, I mean, I, I, like I told you off camera, I mean, I just got ripped on reading your, you know, don't shit on your kids. And I mean, too many times as parents, we, we don't allow them to make those types of mistakes. We don't allow them, you know, opportunities to fail. And failing is ultimately, is the, that's the best learning experience. Right. You know, if you're if you're turn around and you truly learn from it, that you truly try to to grow from it, and um, whether or not you're a coach, you're a mentor, you're a parent, you know, those are the things that you need to to find opportunities because that's what they are. They're opportunities to allow the people that you work with to experience, and then turn around and and help them deconstruct and possibly put together a better better plan for the future of handling those situations. Yeah. I always say failure is an event, it's not a person. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Coach, we, uh, you know, we met before the NFL Combine, but, uh, you know, one of your stories that I love sharing with that, and, you know, talk to us about your hinge moment, that one moment or one event that made all the difference in your life. Yeah, I don't know if there's ever one one moment, but sure. I think, because uh, I'm a product of a lot of, a lot of those moments, but um, the, the the instance that you're talking about is something that I often share about what led me down the, the coaching profession. And uh, I grew up single parent, five kids. My dad was a, a SEAL that came back with post-traumatic stress disorder and drug and alcohol problem and, and all the issues, you know, and, and in and out of our lives and mostly out. And so we grew up, my mom was a single parent with five kids and had a, and didn't even have a high school education. And, um, and where did you, and where'd you live? Uh, inner city, Kansas City at that time, Okay, you know, and so it doesn't sound rough, you know, the Midwest inner city, but it, it, it was pretty rough. Sure. And, uh, you know, there was a, a high school kind of catty corner to a middle school. And then next to the middle school was um, an elementary school that I went to. And, and every day I'd have to walk home because my mom was working two or three jobs. And uh, I would walk a, a typical path on a main street and go home and, and uh one day there was a kind of a drug deal going bad and didn't you know didn't want to go that way it really kind of scared me and so as a as a you know six year old seven year old whatever i was i can't remember 
I walked a different direction back home and walked towards that high school. And my rec my recollection of that high school is that there was a police car and an ambulance there every single day. Um, in fact, when I tell a story, I usually show a slide of a, a of that school, and it was a, a hostage situation just recently. Hmm. Uh, that was the, the picture, you know, and and um, and so as I was walking that direction, and when you're eight, you know, seven, eight years old, um, you know, you might as well be walking in a different state if you go a different way. Yeah. I came across a, a football field. And I'd never been a part of organized sport before. I'd never seen something like that. Never seen kind of command and whistles and athletes training and, you know, just respect that was going on and all that. I was captivated by it so much so that I walked right on the middle of the field during a play and was crying and walking down the middle of this field. And guys were dodging me as they were, you know, running their play. And a coach came and grabbed my hand. And he's like, you know, I mean, very easily he could have, kicked me off the field and said, hey, kid, get out of the way. But instead, he grabbed me by the hand and walked me to the sideline and let me watch practice. And so, you know, you know, that led to him getting the quarterback's attention that, uh, you know, throw me a football. And he, when he threw me the football, uh, it seemed like a mile to me. But, you know, um, you know, I had my hands up and never really played football. So the, the ball went right through my hands and hit me in the nose and bloodied my nose and I nice. thought it was the coolest. Nice. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I thought it, I wanted to be that guy from that point on. So that moment uh, led to me wanting to play football. You know, I didn't. I wasn't able to play football until I was in eighth grade. So this is probably second grade to eighth grade. I didn't play, but every year my mom would buy me a football for Christmas, and, and she still sends me one to this day. Um, and it, you know, it's. It was, you know, football led to the weight room. The weight room led to a college scholarship. You know, uh, college football led to a career in coaching. And, and, and now I'm, I've been fortunate to work with sports at the highest level, you know, Olympic and college and pro and um, travel the world, uh, working with athletes, all because that coach that day took me by the hand and walked me to the sideline. And, and you know, uh, to me, that's that's ultimately what coaching is about, is having that type of impact, that type of hinge moment, you know, uh, and providing those types of hinge moments for the people that you work with. I love that story, man. I appreciate you sharing that one. Yeah. Coach, what was the rest of your development like through middle school and then high school? I mean, obviously you had a lot of distractions. I mean, there was a lot of wrong paths you could go down. What was it that that kept you on that line? Yeah, it was honestly it was an, it was an internal motivation to have success. You know, I mean, my you know we didn't have a lot of money at all. I mean, I, I would wear the same pair of sweatpants multiple times a week. You know, and um, and you know I would just I'd come home every single day and I'd go out in the backyard and I would play with the kids in the neighborhood. We'd play football every single day. And, uh, and, and so even though I couldn't go play for these organized teams because we didn't have the money, I would, I would play, you know, when they got home from practice or before practice or whatever it may be and, uh, hung a tire up in my backyard and I threw a hundred footballs through that every single day. And coach, was this for fun or was this because you wanted to get somewhere? Well, it was because I wanted to get somewhere. It was, okay. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it was definitely a fun component to it. I mean, I loved, I loved playing, you know, I still, you yeah. know, I still love the game. But I, I wanted to change my life, yeah. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have success, 
you know, and, and so ultimately, originally I was, I went to, to college and, and because all my friends that, that had money and had, you know, didn't have to worry about, you know, lunch money and, and that type of stuff, um, their, their, their parents were doctors. I wanted to go be a doctor and, um, so had no problem cutting on cadavers, but then sat in on a live surgery and about faded and <laughs> wasn't, I figured out that wasn't for me. And so that's how I found strength and conditioning was, uh, just kind of, because um, we didn't have a strength coach at the small college I went to, and so I didn't know that that position really existed. Um, but you know, I wanted to, uh, I, but I loved. I was a self-made athlete. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the most genetically gifted person, um, but I just constantly worked any way that I could become a better quarterback. At that time, um, I did it, and uh, because I was working harder than anybody else, I, I, you know, I went from six-string to first-string quarterback. And, College scholarship and all those things. Were your uh, were your siblings driven the same way? <laughs> Not really. So what Not was really. it? So what do you think was? Where'd that fire come from? From from you? I mean, honestly, I traced it back to that moment. That you know, moment. On the field. Huh? I mean, I, I saw I saw something different. You know, I, I you know I just saw a, a, a different way, and um, and then you know obviously my faith and church and and I, you know I got involved in church and that that helped keep me on the straight and narrow and, and instead of going down the, you know, the wrong path. But honestly, like I, you know, I tell people all the time, I mean, I was never, I was never tempted by drugs. I was never really tempted by alcohol um, because I saw what it did to my dad, you know, and, and I, I just did not want that for me or my family or, you know, I wanted to change the cycle. And, um, and so I was very driven that way and, and uh, uh, just focused on trying to improve myself. Did, um, you know, one of the things that Ray Lewis talked about was, you know, he he and his dad, you know, never knew him. But then he came across his dad's records at the school, and then he basically put it up in the garage, every one of his records that he was going to break. So he he did sit-ups and push-ups till he passed out, you know. I mean, just – so he was really driven by a lot of hate. Was there that that was driving as well? Uh, I mean, I – not so much. I mean, I, I you know, um, I mean, my, my dad and I, we did, we did not have a, a good relationship by any means. I mean, there was very few good moments. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and honestly, it was more of a, I just don't want to be like that. Mm -hmm. I want to be different. And then having some good people in my life, you know, through the church, through coaches, you know, and seeing that, that there was another way, um, but that was what always motivated me. I just, I, I just wanted to be more like the good that I saw than the bad that I saw. But you know, um, there definitely was a level of uh, a chip on my shoulder, or um, you know, when people, you know, what, I, what motivated me more than anybody, more than anything, was people telling me that I couldn't do something. Right. right. You know, when I got to that that first day at, at, in high school, I mean, I went, you know, I played eighth grade football. I got cut from the good team, had to go find the, the Misfit Toys team, and uh, I became the B-string tight end, you know, and uh, and then go to high school, and I, I get in the quarterback line and say, I'm a quarterback, you know, and I'm one of six. And, you know, of course, the coaches came up and said, you can't do it, you know, there's there's just too many good players in front of you. And, or, you know, I, I, even at that moment, I said, I wanted to play college football. Uh, you can't do it, you're not big enough, you're not this, that, and the other. And so. Those things drove me more than anything. Um, besides success, was 
being told that I, I, I couldn't do something. Um, and then again, it goes back to that wall of just saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to find a way. I'm pretty much that way still, to be honest with you. Right. I think that's probably why we connect so well, except I was tempted by drugs and alcohol, went down that path. So, sure. you know, do you think, and do you come across that all the time? Because it seems like anybody that's really reached a level of success, somebody was there that, that told them that's a dumb idea or you can't do that or, you know, forget about it. Do you think everyone that, that's really reached that level of success has had that and I guess it's a little bit over generalization, but I mean, is that something that you've seen that people have been told you can't do something? So it just solidified that I'll show you mentality. Yeah, I've experienced that more often than not. I mean, sometimes again, I think you, you, you have people that are coming in with not a whole lot of confidence that, you know, they've, they've been broken down to the, to their breaking point, they, you know, and, and so you have to build them back up to a, to an op, to a point to where, they get motivated by that challenge, but um, you know, I, I have a slide in one of my presentations that I always talk about. You know, as a coach, I always wanted to be a dream builder instead of a dream killer. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I use an example of, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, for that moment and walking onto that football field and wanting to be a quarterback, that guy that threw that ball and hit my nose. You know, there was a lot of people. I, I was motivated to go to the NFL. And every step of the way, you know, there was somebody to tell me that I could not do that, you know. And if you would have told me in college, if a small little college that I played at or in high school, that I wasn't going to the NFL, like I know what my mentality towards you was. I mean, I basically, I, I wrote you off at that point. You didn't really, I respected you because of position maybe, but it was only that positional leadership. It wasn't, you didn't have my permission necessarily to lead you, to lead me. And, uh, and it was pretty much done. I mean, I, I, I hardly ever gave anybody a second chance that way, you know? And so my, you know, I just had this, this conversation, my wife, my daughter and I just went for a walk the other day and we just had this conversation about, to me, always set your goals for the stars, you know? And if you miss the stars, what are you going to hit, right? You're going to hit, you're going to hit the moon. And I mean, if, if, you know, I didn't make it as a, I didn't make the NFL as a, as a quarterback, you know, had, a, you know, a couple tryouts, this, that, and the other, but it was I wasn't good enough, you know. Um, and uh, but I made the NFL as a coach, you know. I, I, I missed the stars, but I hit the moon, you know. And um, you know, to me, instead of instead of killing that dream for people, I think the better thing that you can do is define success, define what that means, you know. And so what I would always do with my players, I would give a, a um, a questionnaire to every one of our, our players when I was at South Florida for 10 years. And, and I would ask him, not do you hope to be, but do you think that you're an NFL football player? And every single one of them would say yes. I only had two in 10 years say no, and both of them were draft picks. Um, wait, and, wait, wait. So everybody, so you had two of them that said no, they weren't, and those are the guys? two in 10 years said that they weren't an NFL football player. And those were and the guys that became draft picks? They both became draft picks. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta tell me more about that, man. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I think those guys, um, I think to some degree, they, they, there, there was a self awareness there that they, they understood the level. I mean, because they were so much better than the people around them. Yeah. They also knew that there were some, you know, people that were better than them. Right. And uh, 
And so I think they had a, a pretty good sense of self-realization of their skill sets. Um, and they just didn't really have that measuring stick, you know? And I think that that's, when you define success, when you define good for people, and um, now, you, you know, you go from being that person that kills their dreams and saying, you know, like as a good, as a coach, I'm pretty good about saying, okay, I, I, I can see you physically. I know what you're capable of. I know how far off good you are. I, I can probably tell you in your freshman year that you're not good enough, you know? Um, but rather than do that, I'd rather define good and say, okay, if you're, you know, if the, if the 40 is, the average 40 for a defensive back is four five, and you're running a four nine. Well, we got some work to do then, right? And, and and if we got that much work to do, you know, you're gonna have to do all these things outside of the weight room, right? And who's the person in the building that can help you do this more than anybody? You know, so I go from being the person that maybe you, you know, I, I'm gonna make you uncomfortable every time you walk in the weight room. Mm -hmm. That's gonna be hard. You're not gonna like me very much. You know, but I'm also now the only person that can help you reach your goal, not my goal. You know, and so yeah, can you go from a four nine to a four five? Not really. You know, but you might hit that four six. You might hit right. that four six five. You know, and uh, for those players, they just had never had anybody show them or define what good was. And so when I was able to put it on paper and show them what the draft averages were and where they fell compared to that. Then they started to gain the confidence. And I think both those guys would tell you that, you know, I, I probably helped give them a little bit of confidence by doing exercises like that and then empowering them and, and challenging them in a different way um, that, you know, probably had a small piece of, of them getting to where they got to. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a fascinating one, man, because, I mean, those are the things that really intrigue me. I, I, you know, I just remember, like, several years, we never watched American Idol. Like, I, don't, I just don't watch TV, right? The one season we watched American Idol was this guy named Lee DeWise, right? He ended up winning it. But I remember they were asking him, you know, do you think you can win? He just said, no, not really, you know? Yeah. And I was always amazed because we were always told, look, I mean, you got to stick your chest out and believe in yourself, which is true. Right. But I think there is that level of self-awareness and knowing where you are and how, because I think it was the same thing. I think he knew how good other people were. Right. And how hard then it was to get to that level. That was really just fascinating. You brought that up. Yeah, I think I think that's that. I think then it's it's also um, like I said, I think it's that confidence. I, th I think and, and, and I think the biggest detriment to that confidence is the social media and where everybody's presenting the best version of themselves right. that that people just think, man, I'm, I, I can't measure up. You know, I'm not, I'm not nearly that good or I'm not, I don't, you know, or whatever, you know, I don't live, you know, a hundred percent perfect like that, that it's somebody else's highlight reel, you know, and, yep. and, uh, I think it's important then to kind of show and, and that's, that, those are the, like when I, when I do watch TV or what I, you know, like, I like like E60 and oh, yeah. you know, a lot of those, a lot of those stories that kind of go into the, to, to the depths of, of these athletes. And anytime I would find something like that. I would always send it to a player, you know. I'd always, if, it was, if it was a, Ray, you know, Ray Lewis, that would have been a prime example. I mean, his, his Hall of Fame speech, I would have sent that to every linebacker that I had, you know, because those are the types of things that they need to hear. That, that, that they, they, there were all these obstacles that they had to overcome, and he was that, that lanky, you know, that that small, you know, smaller player at one point, you know, and you know, then it's just a decision you got to make. I mean, to be great, you got to make a decision to be great. Yeah. 
Coach, can you share with us one of the things that, that really uh, impacted me when you presented, you, you present all your players with three different questions. Uh, can you share with us what, you know, what are those three questions and, and why do you do that? Yeah. Uh, you don't mind sharing them, right? You're not, yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, I call it my uh, why meeting. You know, I, I have a, what I call a why meeting. It was, I had it before the Simon Sinek book, but it's, it's the, it's what I call it now. And, and so it, to get to the core of what somebody's all about, why they play the game, you can't just go in and say, Hey, why do you play football? Because you're going to get some sort of surface level answer. Um, but you got to really, you know, you, you want to find out what that is. And so um, one of the questions that I ask, the first question I ask is, what's the most difficult thing uh, you've ever gone through? You know, and, and, and you want to get to the core of somebody, you find out, um, well, I'm sorry, the first question I ask is, what would you do uh, if you didn't play football or if you yeah. didn't play basketball or whatever? And most of the time, they've never had their mortality in the sport question. They think that they're going to be that. Their 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 self-realization is pretty is not very good. That's why they think that they're going to go to the NFL or whatever it is. And uh, they've never had somebody ask them, what is, "What's life after sport look like for you?" So you, you know when you when they do start to open up and say, "I'm going to go make an impact in my community," or "I'm going to go you know take care of my mom," or "I'm going to do what," you start to figure out what what, what motivates them. The second question I ask is, "What's the most difficult thing you ever gone through?" Mm-hmm. You know, because so much of us are defined by that adversity, you know, those those challenges that we've gone through. And, you know, I tell the story about a player that I had that watched his uh, dad shoot his mom and then commit suicide right in front of him. Wow. And, you know, went in and out of um, uh, out of foster care. And his grandmother pulled him out of the senior year because he was a good football player and she saw dollar signs. And so all we knew when we recruited him was that he was, a, a you know, that he lived with grandma. We didn't know anything else. You know, it wasn't until I asked that question that anybody in our organization knew what happened. Is that right? You know? Yeah. And so it's something that, you know, that, that could have gone all four years like that. We would have never known, you know. And so, uh, but that told me right away that I, I needed to put my arm around that kid and love that kid. That was going to be the best way to get to that kid instead of, you know, screaming and yelling and threatening and all. And he's seen the worst that's ever going to happen. You know, and then the third question I ask is, who is the most influential person in your life? You know, and I, I, I don't ask it just to find out who kind of shaped them because that, that you're going to find that out as well. But I ask it because I want to get their permission to call that person, you know, and, and I typically call them and, and instead of being the typical, you know, bad phone call that, you know, the, the principal's calling or the coach is calling to tell me you got in trouble. You know, I'm telling them something great about the kid. I'm saying, hey, this is, you know, I saw him open the door for, you know, uh, you know, an older lady the other day or an elderly lady and help her in and carry the stuff to the to the office. And he must have learned that from somewhere. He must have learned that from you. And oh, by the way, did, did you know that you're the most influential person in his life? Mm-hmm. You know, because they're not very good. We're not very good about telling people that, you know, who's influenced in our life, that they're, they're that important to us, you know, and so. That usually leads to that that person calling them and saying, "Hey, you know, um, you know, I just got this amazing phone call from one of your coaches that loves you, you know, and and thanks for telling you know telling them that I'm most you know." It leads to this really incredible phone call, but then that person, you know, that person now just signed off on me. Somebody that's in their life to try to help them, they just said, that, "Hey, man, that coach really cares about you," mm-hmm. you know. So now, you know, now I'm walking around the weight room. I know what makes you tick. 
I know what the hardest thing you've ever gone through is, and I know who's the most influential person. And it's, a, it's an easy conversation. Yeah. You know, it's an easy And I know what your goals are. I know what you want to do. You know, and so now it becomes, hey, man, you know, would your would your grandmother, would she appreciate you coming to the weight room late? Would, it, would she appreciate you acting like an idiot outside the, you know, and, and being embarrassing in front of these, these young lady, you know, other athletes or whatever it may be. And, and it doesn't have to be the screaming and yelling and, and cussing them out, you know, to get them motivated to do the right thing. Coach, can you share with us, um, like, what, what was one of the most impactful calls that you made? to a coach to let them know yeah uh, you know it wasn't um very i mean the coaches kind of knew that they would have that kind of impact you know it was never the coaches that really were that shocked by it i mean i think you know they're always appreciative and they're always a little humbled by it but yeah. the people that that it really was uh news to was the parents you know or the grandparents you know i mean you think about it with your own kids, man. You're always, you're kind of constantly on them. You're constantly kind of right in the ship. You know, there's kind of a little bit of a, a give and take there always. And, you know, and again, as, and, and most of the, the you know, the, the situations of, of the athletes that I'm dealing with, they're, they're coming from broken homes or single parent homes or, or whatever. So when you tell that mom that, you know, that was freaking on their butt to get them right, to get to that next step, um, but they really do value that and appreciate that, man. It, it led to tears almost every single time, mm. you know, and uh, a good moment back and forth between them. So I had, you know, I had several phone calls like that to where I, I'd have moms, you know, or grandmothers that were just, I mean, couldn't even, couldn't even continue the conversation because they were crying so much because they, it was that impactful, you know, and, and, um, but then, you know, never did that. I mean, almost always it came back around where I'd see them somewhere, and it was it wasn't a, a handshake, you know. Oh, this is this is my strength coach, Coach Mac. It was like a freaking sprint from the parking lot to a big hug, you know. Just uh, it's almost like we knew each other all the time, you know. And so um, it was it was hugely impactful for my relationships with athletes. It's fantastic, man. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great, yeah, and I've had, I've told other coaches that that they've. I mean, they've had similar experiences. Well, that's why I love it so much, man, because, I mean, it really is. I think it's uh, it's fantastic. Um, you know, I've been getting a little bit emotional just kind of thinking about those conversations and and how those would transpire. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I, I would do it, um, I would make those calls every night on my way home, you know, mm -hmm. so after working a 12-hour day when you're freaking dog tired, I would make a call on, on the drive home and, every single time it, it freaking jacked me up it would it would it would motivate me you know uh, and, and, and you know i'd walk into the house with my own wife and kids a lot you know a lot better and a lot more juiced up or it got me so much more excited for the next day that um you know i i, I never i never worked a day in my life really, you know right ted uh ted rath and he uh, he basically said the same exact thing he never worked a day in his life let, yeah. me, let me ask you one more question, Coach, because, again, we can probably go on for a couple of hours, and sure. I want to respect your time. But, you know, in um, since we we're kind of talking about those E60 and 30 for 30s and why well, I operate at 30 for 30, but um, in the book of Manning, Archie Manning, um, you know, had 11 seasons in the NFL, never had a winning season. And in the book of Manning, Cooper and Peyton both say uh, we never knew. You know, we, yeah. had, we had no idea. He, he never won. He never brought that stuff home. 
Right. You know, you just mentioned that technique about maximizing your transition coming home. How do you, you know, leave work at work when, when things are bad? You know, how do you compartmentalize that and, and be your best self when you get home? Yeah, it's funny. I, there's a lot of good stories, and I shared a couple in, in, uh, in the book that I wrote. Um, but one of the funniest is, is um, uh, two, there are two really that kind of stood out. One, I, I would always go to the bookstore. Um, I would stop off if I was pissed off and, and, and not in the, in the right frame of mind. I would go to the Barnes and Noble on my way home. And you can't you can't ever walk around a bookstore just freaking pissed off and pounding your chest. And I mean, you just you're gonna they're gonna they're gonna call the cops on you. You know, so you have <laughs> to kind of you have to kind of calm down. Um, but a funnier one was I, like I've never played video games growing up. It wasn't my thing. You know, I just I, I, I still think it's kind of silly deal, right? right. But um, but one time I got so mad, um, I kicked the guys out of a workout. It was like a Friday workout, um, and so we had, we were finishing up early in the morning. I kicked them out, told them I'd see them next week. I, was, I mean, I was throwing stuff. I was I was mad. Um, and uh, and so I, on my way home that day, like three o'clock, four o'clock, I went to Walmart instead of the bookstore for some reason. But I went to Walmart and I just was walking around Walmart for like two hours. And uh, I came across the, the, the electronics section, and in the electronics section, they had this game going. Um, it was called Splinter Cell, but it was basically like this assassin that would go around and shooting people up, and you know, and it was, it was a little bit of strategy to it, but it was just kind of a shoot 'em up kind of game, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there watching that, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, that's that sounds about right right now. <laughs> Let me. So I bought the video game, I bought the console, I did, I, I bought everything you needed to play the game, went home, and I played that game for three days straight. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I maybe got, <laughs> I maybe got like four hours sleep. Beat the game, put it up in my, in my, the shelf of my uh, closet, and I never touched it since. And never played another video game since. But it was just, it was my, it was just a way that me, for me to check out, but. I wasn't the best husband that weekend. I didn't really show her a whole lot of attention that time, but but it, I don't. I just found a way to kind of get through it. I guess. So that's fantastic. Um, I, I think the I think the key is to find you know is to find a, a, a way to uh, diffuse yourself, you know, and you know, and, and walk in the door a little bit different. And that's I always talk about uh, with young coaches that. There's no such thing as, as a work-life balance. It doesn't it doesn't exist, you know. Um, not especially not if you're going to be successful in work. Um, and and so the difference, in my opinion, is that you need to be 100% present wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. You know, so if, you, if you're if you're skewed, like early in my career, I was 80% at work and 20% at home. You know, if if you if it is 80 20 well then that 20 percent you need to be 100 percent there and right. not checking emails and not working at the on the computer and not you know not going out and playing with your kids and that kind of stuff and you need, you need to be completely checked in and uh i think that that's the same thing i think you just gotta i mean you gotta force yourself to do that and it's not easy but being a parent never is being a a, a spouse never is uh, but it's part of the gig, you know, and, and if you're going to give up and sacrifice so much to do like coaching particularly, um, then you owe it to them. That's great, my man. I love that video game story, man. It's classic. 
<laughs> coach, coach, last question here, man. What's what's one thing that we need to know that we can do, you know, to, to build that mental toughness? What would you recommend for us? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know what? Yeah, hold on a second. Like, here's a good example. So, like, this is yesterday. I took my first jujitsu class. Now I've done I've done mixed martial arts before, but yesterday was the first jujitsu class I ever did, and so I've got this, you know, I've got this white belt here, and it's the the old saying like always be a white belt. I think that's what it is. I think you got to constantly, I think you constantly got to challenge yourself to grow, you know, and put yourself in, in uncomfortable situations and adverse situations, and uh, find an opportunity to to um, to challenge yourself. You know, and I think if you continually do that, then you'll realize that you're always a student. You know, you're always got to, and you can't do it alone, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and you always become better, a better version of yourself um, on the other side. You know, right. like, I mean, I went in and I was nervous and didn't know what to expect and walked out. And I was like, man, I've learned a few things. I'm a better version of myself. And you're, so, always be a white you're, you're coming after Jocko Willick, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, come on, Jocko, I got you. Dude, that's, <laughs> no, that's—I I think that's maybe the, that's the first thing that you gotta learn if you go into martial arts is that you're gonna get your butt whooped by people that sure. are, are half the size. But yeah, right. But, There's uh, gonna be 160 yeah. pounders gonna tap you out. But I think I mean that to me that's like I've I've always tried to. What I haven't done a great job is always challenge myself outside to find hobbies or things that would would make me grow in different ways yeah i always challenge myself in different ways professionally but this you know these last two years i'm doing this job you know i've gotten into mountain biking you know pretty intensive you know intensively i'm getting you know i'm, I'm picking back up a martial art a different martial art um you know i i think you gotta you know i think that helps you grow as a as an individual as well and and um yeah you know i think that's the key yeah you know, it's, it's interesting, man, like um, with that Ironman coming up, I mean, you got a bike and you got a bike with groups, you know, I mean, there's no way around it. And biking's not my thing. That's why I don't do this races. So I've had to join these biking groups where you show up and everyone's wearing the same biking jersey and, and you, you know, you just try to hang on. And uh, but it's interesting once you overcome that fear little bit by little bit and then um, you know how you get comfortable being uncomfortable sort of thing that we've heard before yeah but absolutely always be a white belt man i love that hey coach um how can people you know and i'll put the links on there but how can people you know follow you and and stay in touch with you yeah i mean probably the easiest way is i'm probably most active on instagram and that's just at r mckeefrey um and what i try to do i'm not a social media person um, but I try to I try to represent what I was talking about earlier, where I, I share my wins with my losses. I mean, it's it's not a highlight it's not a highlight reel, you know. And so, like last year, when my wife had a, a seizure, you know, I put a post up that had a video clip. You know, we have video cameras in our house and whatnot, and I uh, put a little video clip of that and talked about how I felt like a freaking idiot not being able to answer questions from the EMTs when I was not there, you know, and. Um, you know, I think, um, I try to demonstrate that. So that's probably the best place to follow me because okay. I'm, I'm transparent that way. But then I have you know, my website, ronmckeefer.com. And then, 
um, our company, playperform.com, we do quite a few things if you're specifically in uh, human performance. Yeah. So we get to see the behind the stage of, uh, of your life there. Yeah. I mean, you get to see me, you know, mostly post about my kids, you know, and I post about our family. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, again, a lot of things that I, I, I a lot of the mistakes I make, I, I, I share as, you know, I think an expert is just somebody that's walked down a path that you haven't walked, you know. And so, if you can help some other person avoid some of those those minefield, you know, that some of those mines in that minefield, uh, to me, that's uh, why wouldn't you try to <laughs> to avoid that, right? And make your journey a little bit easier. Thanks so much for joining us, Coach. Really appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. And like I said, I know how much uh, goes into putting these things on, and so appreciate uh, you and and how you go about your business and and uh, putting this out for people. Thanks, Coach. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.